Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the life and Torah of our leaders as we continue. Tuesday mornings, 11.30, with First Seder Bismedrish, firstseder.org. And a special welcome to our Torah anytime viewers and listeners who are joining us for this year as well. <clears throat> Today we're going to talk about Reb Rafal HaKoyen Katz. Katz stands for Koyen Sadek. He was a Koyen known as Reb Rafal Hamburger. Reb Rafal Hamburger, whose yard site will be this week, Chaf Vav Cheshvan, Friday, Arab Shabbos, will be his 217th yard site. Who was Reb Rafal Hamburger? So, Reb Rafal Hamburger, his father was someone named Reb Yukusil Ziskind, and as we'll see, Reb Rafal has a sefer called Teras Yukusil. One of the reasons is named after his father. His father was the Rav of an area called Lipland. Lipland is, in modern day maps, is on the east coast of the Baltic Sea, all the way in the north of uh, Europe, of Eastern Europe. Um, at that time, Riga, which is now the capital of Latvia, was the capital of that area. And that were, he was the Rav of that place, of that uh, area, and he was a, a, a big Talmud Chacham. He was well known throughout all of the countries, near and far. Gedolim would ask his opinion on different things. And even the uh, Goyim, the officers in the, in the uh, Malchus Poland in the Polish Kingdom, also would seek out his wise counsel. His wife's name was Buna, and they had a son named Rifal. Rifal Hakayin was born on Chaf Dalil Cheshvan. Chaf Dalil Cheshvan, which would make tomorrow his birthday, in the year Tuf Pei Gimel 1722. And he's described as a Kadosh Merechem, one who was holy from the womb, meaning he was a wonder child. At the age of nine, he had already been Mechadesh Chidushe Torah in Halacha, in Taisvis, like one of the prominent Loimdim in the city, and he would tell over his Chidushe Torah in front of the Talmidei Chachamim of the city, and they were all very astounded at the wisdom of this child. When he was 10 years old, he got very sick, and he was deathly ill, he was, he, was, he was on his deathbed. The entire city was in an uproar. All of the townspeople gathered in the shuls in the Batei Medrash. The children went and cried, and he, they davened for him. So you see what an uproar it made. Of course, any child, Rahman al-Litzlan, in danger is precious, but the fact that the whole city overturned itself for this wonder child shows who he was. And he had a Rafu Shalema. But his father was very nervous after that from Ayin Hara and different things. And his father basically hid him in his house and did not let him go to school. He taught him himself. He did have a private Rebbe that he hired to come and teach him in the house. However, he was very nervous about his health physically and spiritually as well. And therefore, he kept him home. When he was 12 years old, his father brought him to learn by a relative of theirs. This relative was Marena Rav Arye Leib who's known to us as the Shagas Aryeh. So he went to learn at the Shagas Aryeh. At that point in time, the Shagas Aryeh was the Rosh Hashiva in the city of Minsk. The city of Minsk. And 
He became Bar Mitzvah while he was living and studying in the house of the Shagazarye. After a year's time, the Shagazarye said that Rebbe Fall already all the wellsprings of wisdom have been opened to him already. He no longer needs a teacher to guide him and therefore his father should come and take him back home. And that's what he did. So he came back home at the age of our mitzvah, the age of 13, and that's when he got married. He got married at 13 to his wife who was named Tamar, and she was a granddaughter of the Sma. And um, they lived together for 68 years, a 68-year marriage. Uh, my understanding was that she was the same age as him as well. Perhaps she was a little younger, but one of his close friends wrote a told us about him, wrote to, to actually to his son-in-law um, a description of what he knew when he was young and he said that I knew, I knew his wife as well from the age of 13 so my assumption from that is that she was the same age or maybe a little bit younger. So that's when he got married. He got married at the age of 13. After his, after his marriage he continued to learn and to toil in Torah. He Kemat was not seen outside. He was always learning. He didn't sleep unless he... Um, fell asleep and he needed just a little bit of sleep to rejuvenate himself and he just was fully, fully physically immersed in learning Torah. Most of his days he spent fasting as well. And this went on for six years from the age of 13 to the age of 19 as a married man. So how did he have Parnassa? So it seems he had some money, I'm not sure exactly where it came from, but he had given his money to other people too invest for him and to do business with his money and he would live off the profit and they would get a percentage however since he wasn't involved eventually they robbed him and all of his principal was uh, totally depleted and taken from him until he had nothing left to live on and at that time against his will it wasn't something he wanted he had to get a job and he had to now look for some type of avoidas hakal some type of job in Kla Yisrael so in the year 1742, Tov Kuf Beis, when he was 19 years old, so he became the Rosh Hashiva in Minsk. Minsk was a city of full with Tamid Chachamim, and like we said before, the Shagasarye had been the Rosh Hashiva in Minsk, and I don't know, I don't think he took over directly from the Shagasarye, but it was the position that the Shagasarye held. Four, he held that position as the Rosh Hashiva for four years. When he was 23 years old, four years later, he became the Rav of a city called Rakow, and that's about uh, a few miles out of Minsk, a little suburb of Minsk. And here he started his Rabbonus. And as we'll see, he had numerous rabbinical positions, and in every place the description is the same. Number one, Chizei Kadas, he strengthened religion amongst the people. Beinadam Lechaveirai. He was very, very involved in making shalom between people, making sure people li live together b'shalom. He made many different takonos in any city that he went, different types of takonos to help be mechazik what was going on in the city. And for many years afterwards, in most of the cities that he was the rub, those takonos were referred to as Reb Rafal's takonos. They had his name on them. And of course, he was a Rebbe, and Talmidim would flock to come and learn from him. And that's what happened here in the city of Raqqa as well. He was there in that city from 17, um, 
So where are we here? 1742 became Rosh Hashiva in Minsk. He was there for four years, so we're at 1746. And in 1747, not long after he became Rav in Rakow, he became Rav in the city called Vilkamir. Vilkamir. Vilkamir is a city outside, a suburb outside of Vilna. Um, a year and a half ago, when we were in Lithuania, we drove right through the city of Vilkamir, the uh, Panovich Rav, many years later, was a Rav there. Very famous uh, little town, Vilkamir. And over there, he had many uh, Talmidim as well, because now he was close to Vilna. Originally, he was close to Minsk. Now he's more north, and he's close to Vilna. And Vilna also was a very prominent city in Klai Yisrael. And Talmidim came from there. And all over the country, Talmidim came to learn with him. And one of his things was, besides, as we'll see in a moment, his Derech Halimud in Taira, but he was very makbid that his Talmidim should understand Ben Adam They should understand Musr. And before he would ge- begin to learn the regular Limudim with any of his Talmidim, he would first tell them a Dvar Musr, and he would ignite a fire in their hearts that they just had this unbelievable desire and Cheshek to learn. And then they would just go and learn with this cheshek. What was his derech halimud? His derech halimud was to learn Gemara, Taisvis, the Rosh, the Mardchai, meaning the Gemara with the Iker Paiskim. His focus was on understanding the Pshat of the Gemara, the Pshat of the Rishonim, and how to get to Psak Halacha, to find the source in the Gemara, in the Rishonim, and come to every din and its Psak trace it back from its source. Again, in Vilkamir, he also were, was Misaki in Takanais, and one of them that was a famous one was that he was bothered by the Taruvais, the mixture, the mingling of the men and women on their way to Shul. And he built a bridge. Now, I'm not 100% sure what the bridge went over. Did it go over a street? Was there water there? I, I didn't see clearly that, but he built a bridge that there should be separate places for men to cross to get to Shul and for women to go to get to Shul. And that bridge was called after his name. It was called Rebifal Hakoyan's Bridge. And uh, that was one of the takanas he made, that there shouldn't be taruvas um, on the way to Shul. He was in Vilkamir for 10 years. At that time, he became the Rav over the area, Galil Minsk it was called, the area of Minsk, the province of Minsk, not just the city of Minsk, it's a province, it was a province. This province of Minsk included in it 40 regular sized cities and hundreds of villages. So he was like the chief rabbi of this area. Um, the, the Rabbanim who had filled the position of chief rabbi of Minsk were always big, big Yedalim. In his family, and of most recent in his times, was the father of the Shagas Aryeh, Rabasher, the Shagas Aryeh himself, then the Shagas Aryeh's brother. Now, it seems to be it was a very, very hard and heavy Rabbanus to be involved, as we'll see, in all of these many cities and villages. Again, no telephones and no, uh, you know, if you wanted to be the Rav of this place, you got it to go to all the cities and travel around. And it was a very, very hard Rabbanus. 
and the Shagazari's brother of Avram, after six years of being the Rav of this, the chief rabbi of this province, of this district, it was too much for him, and he asked them to find a new Rav, and he said, it would be wonderful if you could find at least a relative of mine, because this was my brother's and my father's, at least a relative, and they decided to pick Rebbe Fall. They decided to pick him as the Rav, as we said, he was a, a relative of the Shagasari. Now, the Rav, where did he live? The chief rabbi, where did he live? So he was allowed to choose any city he wished in the province to live. So Rav Rafal chose to live in a city called Smilovich. Smilovich. That's where the name probably comes from. And um, the reason he wanted to live there is because that's where the Shagas Aryeh himself was residing at that time. So he figured he'll be next to his Rebbe and uh, that'll work out well for him. However, it did not work out well for him. Because the Shagas Aryeh um, re- refused to, to take on any responsibility or any covet. And in fact, the Shagas Aryeh was Mechabed Reb Rafal. He was Mevatel himself. He subjugated himself to Reb Rafal's Psak. And he was Mechabed him. And Reb Rafal, he couldn't handle this, that his Rebbe is treating him as if he's the Rebbe and his Rebbe is the Talmud. It was very hard for him, and therefore he decided to leave that city. He moved about uh, a mile away, a parsa away, a short, a short uh, distance away. And still, the Shagas Aryeh would not paskin, would not give any hayra'a, any type of act as like the Rav at all. Now remember, this was the Shagas Aryeh's own, own Rabbanis, uh, not long before. But he refused to. Anything that he had to paskin, he first went to Reb Rafal to, to ask him, and he was totally mevatel his das to Reb Rafal. So it was very hard for Reb Rafal to live in the same city when this was going on, but this is how the Shagasarye, if I'm not the Rav, you treat the Rav with the cover that he deserves, even if he's my Talmud. Now it's interesting, part of this district, and Baruch Hashem, I, I was in this area in Belarus, what's now Belarus, this is all used to be part of what we call Lita, um, in uh, last year and, and three years ago or four years ago, and part of this district, and even till today, it's still called part of the Minsk um, district, is the city of Volozhin. Volozhin, the famous city of Volozhin, is under this district in uh, of Minsk. Um, Reb Rafal was very instrumental in Reb Chaim Volozhiner becoming the Rav of Volozhin. He had a shaykhis, Reb Chaim learned by him a little bit, I'm not sure exactly when and where, but he was a, a Talmud of Reb Rafal Hamburger, besides later on being a Talmud of the Gra as well, and we will see the relationship that Reb Rafal had with the Gra. but he was very much pushing the city of Volozhin, that they have to make Reb Chaim Volozhiner as their Rav, and whenever he went there, he would push them, he would urge them to make sure that this happens. So, and in fact, in his last journey from there, when he was gave up the Rabbanus, as we'll see soon, and he left there, the wagons were already moving, and he stood up and he told Reb Chaim Velozhner's father, make sure, Leman Hashem, he said, Leman Hashem, that Reb Chaim should become the Rav in your city, and um, and eventually Reb Chaim did become the Rav of Velozhner. Reb Chaim was born in Velozhner, Reb Chaim was the Rav of Velozhner, and Reb Chaim's kever is in Velozhner, and we were there, a year and a half ago, and I, like I said, I was there a, a time before that as well. 
So as part of this Rabbanus, he had to go around to all the cities. We said 40 big cities and hundreds of villages. And when he would go around to all the cities to make sure that everything was done properly. He had with him a, what they called an Ish Iti, like it says by the, by the, uh, by, in the Torah, by the Sarla uh, Azazel, which means an, impo- an, an appointed person. An appointed person he took along with him, who had a horse, and the job of this person was that wherever Ebrafal was, he should go find a minion for him. He needed a minion for Shachar's Mincha Ma'ariv. Sometimes he was out in the sticks in the villages, and there wasn't a minion in that village. So this fellow went around with him, and he would go to all the outlying villages, get together a minion, bring them to where, which village Rebbe Fall is in, and uh, he would have a minion for Shachos Mincha Maru. So he never missed Fila B'tzibur. He always had someone there to help him, even if he was out in the village somewhere. He was the Rav of this district of Minsk for six years, and eventually, then he was, in the, uh, in the year Tav Kuf, Chav Gimel, is he became the Rav of Pinsk. Pinsk it was one of the um, primary cities in Lithuania, and what we call Lita, also um, um, in Belarus, in today's Belarus, and um, he became the Rav of Pinsk. And um, he continued, now this was a big city, there was a lot more going on there, and he, wherever he went, and as Rabbanus was always with a very strong and firm hand, he wasn't afraid of anybody to do what's right. And many times there were powerful people who actually were Malshin. They went and they and they and they uh, and they went to the government and said that he's doing things incorrectly and things like that. And many times he was even in danger from the government. However, he didn't care. He knew he was doing what was right, and therefore he was batech b'Hashem until eventually, eventually, when he was able, he has finally asserted himself as the Rav of Pinsk, then, in fact, the tables turned and everybody became afraid of standing up against him. He went, adou- he went around to um, the, the city, the, the, being the Rav of Pinsk also made him the Rav over all the neighboring cities as well, and he, um, he would go around to all the different cities. It was a three-year circle, so to speak. took him to get to all the neighboring cities that were under his jurisdiction, at that time, there was a lot of pidgin shvuyim. People were taken for ransom and for debts and things like that throughout villages. All those stories with the parrots and all those types of chasidish that you hear, um, they happened a lot of times. And um, he was very involved in collecting money and making sure he would not rest until he took care of redeeming any captives. While he was the Rav in Pinsk is when he um, composed and when he wrote his Sefer Teras Yikusil on Yeridea, and we will talk about his Svarim um, in a few minutes. In the year 1770, Tav Kuf Lamed Aleph, he wanted to print the Teras Yikusil. He could not find a, a good printing house anywhere in his country, so he traveled all the way to Berlin. That's a pretty long, long distance from from uh, Pinsk or Minsk or Belarus, wherever he was in that neighborhood. I mean, that he was in that neighborhood in Pinsk. It was a very long distance to Berlin, but he went all the way to Germany to print um, his Sefer. He didn't do this before he set up people who should know what to do as the representative of the Rav to make sure that the city should be 
um, taken care of properly, and uh, the neighborhood, the, the Medina also, as we said, he was the Rav of the entire um, province as well, and he, um, he made sure that someone was in charge of taking care of what was going on. When he came to Berlin, they were makabal him, the Tamidah Chachamim, they were very excited to see him, he would speak, and they actually offered him to be the Rav of Berlin. However, he did not want to stay there, he didn't want to stay there, and um, a year later in Tovkov Lamed Beis, he then returned back home. Um, after he came back to Pinsk, later in that year, he became the Rav of Posen, which is um, what is today uh, Western Poland. So it's actually a little bit closer to, uh, not far from Germany and Berlin. Um, but So it's quite a distance. But he became the Rav of Posen. To him it meant a lot, because one of his great-grandfathers, the Lavush, who had been Nifter uh, in Shinai and Vav, so it's, uh, it's a good um, uh, hundred odd years before, um, the Lavush was buried there, and he was the Rav there. And actually, right before Rebbe Fall became the Rav, they found the Lavush's Matseva, which had not been known for, for many, many years. So to him, that was something special to become the Rav of Posen. Um... When he, when he was on his way to Posen, he was uh, five parsois, five miles for, for, for just for argument's sake. Short way outside of the city, he became very, very sick, deathly ill. The doctors came and they actually gave up and they said that he's not going to make it. And on Erev Yom Kippur, it got even worse. And the doctor told him that he's not allowed to fast on Yom Kippur. And on Lel Yom Kippur, he got very thirsty. And he asked the people around him to start measuring out the shiurim to figure out exactly how much he's allowed to drink. And before they got the cup of water to him, he fell into a deep, deep sleep. And he slept the entire Yom Kippur. So he did not eat at all on that Yom Kippur. And in fact, when he woke up on Matzah Yom Kippur, and the next morning he woke up, he was totally better. For whatever reason, the fast day, the Yom Kippur, totally cured him. And the next day, the day after Yom Kippur, um, he... In Tafkof Lamed Gimel, he came to the city of Posen. And again, in the city of Posen, everything the same as he did in other Rabbanasin, he was Mesach in Takonis. One Takoni was Mesach in there was that they should have a hot mikvah. For some reason, either they, I, I, I wasn't sure if it was for a halachic reason or a technical reason that they couldn't figure out how to make a hot mikvah. There's a lot of uh, Torah in the, in, 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 uh, in the Paiskim, Mishabur even talks about it, um, in Hilchus Yamtif, about um, a hot mikvah on Shabbos and Yamtif. So I don't know if it meant that he made a hot mikvah for Shabbos and Yamtif, and meaning to say he found them a heter, or was it mean for a practical purpose that they just couldn't figure out how to make a hot mikvah and he made a hot mikvah for them. But that's one of the things that he did in, um, in Posen. Now, a few years later, uh, three years later, Chav Zayin Nisan, Tov Kuf Lamed Vav, he was chosen to be the Rav over an area that was called three major cities in Germany. And they were the famous cities of Altuna, Hamburg, and, and Wandsbach, or Wandsbach. And they're called the, they're known as the Kilos the Kihilois Ehu, Aleph Hevav, Altuna Hamburg Vansbach, and that's a famous uh, area in northern Germany. And um he became the Rav after after Pesach, we said Khavzai and Nisan, and he came there to the city on Rishkhaidesh Tamus. Now when he came to Germany, this was the beginning of Haskala. This was the beginning of the Haskala movement. Moses Mendelssohn had just started printing his translation of the Chumash, 
and no one was 100% sure yet what his intentions were. However, Rebbe Fall was one of those who immediately schmacked him out. He was able to sniff him out and he understood where he was going with this. He didn't believe in Tarim Shamayim and so many different things. As we know what happened with the Haskalah movement in Germany, the reform movement, what it caused. And this was the beginning of it. And he stood up very strong against them. And like I said, he was one of the first ones who understood Mendelssohn's translation. And he made a cheirim. And any person who will read from that Chumash. And Mendelssohn was very upset about it. And he actually tried to get rid of the Cheyrim. He got one of the um, political advisors of the king. At that, that time, the king of Denmark ruled over that entire area. Um, and he was actually very good to the Jews. He ruled there for, for 200 years or something like that. And the Denmark ruled. And they were very good to the Jews. However, um, so he, he, I guess he had an in with someone named Sar Hennigs. Was the name of the person who he tried to use as political clout to get rid of the Cheyrim. But it didn't work because Rebbe Fall didn't care. He didn't stand up. He didn't back down from anyone. If this is the right thing to do, this is the right thing to do. For, for historical purposes, when, when Mendelssohn uh, printed his, his Chumash, it was printed together with a pirush um, written by someone named Reb Shloyma Dubna. Shloyma Dubna. And in the uh, history books, there's a lot of um, ink that uh, has been uh, uh, spilled, so to speak, trying to figure out, was he really a Moscow, was he not a Moscow? There's a lot that, uh, w- what was Mativoy? However, the truth is that... Um, he just originally printed together with Mendelssohn. However, then they uh, they 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 um, they um, parted ways from each other. And the real reason they parted ways is because Rebbefal spoke to him. It seems Rebbefal realized that Shlomo Dubna wasn't such a bad guy, but he kind of caught up with Mendelssohn because again, that time Mendelssohn was you know was not a reformed person, and he was projecting himself as you know just another person translating the Chumash, but. Um, Rebbe Fall spoke to him and he told him that Mendelssohn, is, his name is Marumas in the Torah. Everybody is Marumas in the Torah. So he says, where is his name? And the words, Moshchosam Bohem, they're d- disgusting in them. Mum Bam, they have a mum. We're talking about by animals. So the Rashi Tevis of that are Moshchosam Bohem, Mum Bam, is Mem Beis Mem Beis, which stands for Moshe Ben Menachem Berlin, which was the name of Mo- Moses Mendelssohn. And when he heard that, this uh, Shleim Adubna, he said, okay, and he parted ways with him, and uh, he didn't continue to partner with him. Um, now what happened was, the Maskilim in Berlin were not happy with this Cheyrim. Um, they were very unhappy with it. So they did an interesting thing. One of them wrote a sefer, again, the, the Rebbe Fall had a sefer called Teres Yukusil, which is Psokim on Yeridea, as we'll see soon, and they were very upset. So they wrote a sefer called Mitzbe Yukusil. They went through the whole Teres Yukusil, and they showed where Rebbe Fall made mistakes, and he's wrong, and he's saying Chidushim, and he's going against the Paiskim. And they sent the Sefer out to all the G'daylim throughout all the countries of Europe to show them that this Reb Rafal, there's something wrong with him. And they were hoping that if the G'daylim come out against Reb Rafal, so then his whole Cheyrum will be battle. And um, Reb Rafal, Kedarka Bakaydish, was uh, quiet. He didn't he'd do what you want. Um, it's interesting, I'm not sure why this is, but on the Eitzerah Chachma, you know, that uh, the, the database of, of, of Sfarim, this Sefer is on there. I'm not sure why it is, because we'll see as in a moment it was put into Cheyrim. But it is there. 
And um, so Rebbefal was okay, big deal. He didn't care. He doesn't bother him. People speak against him. However, the Bezdin of 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 his of his cities, they were upset about it, and they said they had to protest the covet of the Rav, and they put out a psak din, and they put the sefer in Cherem, and on Chafchas Adar Tavkuf Memtes in the big shul in Altuna, they put a Cherem in Onidui and the Mechaber of the sefer Mitzvah Yukusil. Reb Rafal didn't sign it. He kept quiet. He was mekayim in himself. The Gemara shaymin cherpasam veinam meshivim. The tzaddikim they hear their shame and they don't answer back. So once we're talking about his svarim, let's talk about his svarim. So we said his sefer Teres Yikusil on Yaradeya goes up to Kuf Yud Aleph, Simon Kuf Yud Aleph. It is an explanation of the Shulchan Aruch based on the shitas of the Gemara, the Rishonim and the Achrayim. And it comes to a Psaq Halacha, and sometimes it comes out with Chidushim, like we said before, was similar to his Derech Halimut. Now in the Hakdama, he writes that he did not ask anyone for Haskamas. And he writes for two reasons, that he didn't ask for Haskamas, and he asks Mechila from the Gedailim and the Rabbanim of the time, that he didn't ask them for their Haskama. And he says, why not? He says, first of all, because when a person gives Haskama, they praise the author. I don't want anyone to praise me. He says, number two, most people don't re- aren't really able to go through the Sefer properly. So they look through the Sefer a little bit, and then they assume if part of it is good, the rest of it is good. Like you rely on Chazaka, on the Chazaka of the Mechaber. He says, I don't need anyone to rely on me, B'derech Chazaka. I don't want anyone to rely on me just because there's a Chazaka. Um, he says... It's, it's, it's up to the reader. The reader, if he goes through the sugya and he agrees with what I come out at the end, he could really, he could, then he could agree with me. If he doesn't agree, that's fine. But no one should just rely on things because of Chazaka. Now, why did he call Teres Yukusil? So like we mentioned, his father's name was Yukusil, but he writes that's the second reason why he called it Teres Yukusil. He writes he called it Teres Yukusil the first reason, Alderich Drush, because Yukusil is one of the names of Moshe Rabbeinu, and Chazal say, why was he called Yikusil? Shekivu Yisrael Aviyam Shebashamayim Biyamov. Kla Yisrael yearned for Aviyam Shebashamayim in his days, meaning in Moshe Rabbeinu's days. So Yikusil is a contraction of the words. Yikusil is with a kuf, kivu, as they hoped, and Yisrael, that's the saf, and Aviyam Shebashamayim is to kel. Kel, Yikusi Kel, that they, uh, that they yearned for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he has a long Shtikul Taira in the Akdama there, not a Shtikul Taira, a Jerush, to explain that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu went around and offered the Umas Ha'ilam the Taira, and they all asked Mak Sivbeh, and Hashem told them, you know, the hardest thing, Leisigzo, Leisinaf, so he says, you can't have it. And Klai Yisrael said, Nasev and Ishma. And he says, well, what's going on here? It's like a rigged system? Like, they, they ask what's in it, you tell them the hardest thing, and, 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 and you say it's not for them? So basically he says that the reason is because if, if you don't trust Hashem, so then you can't, you can't accept the Torah. The minute that they said, we don't trust you, Hashem, we want to hear what's in it, Hashem said, forget it, this whole thing is not for you. So Hashem gave them the hardest mitzvah that they can't keep, so they should say no. But Kala Yisrael, they said Nasev and Ishma, and the famous Gemara Masech Shabbos, the Rav told the Tztuki, the Tztuki told him, why did you say Nasev and Ishma? Tztuki said, so the Rav said a Pasuk, that we relied on our Tmimus, and Rashi says over there, because we trusted that Hashem is going to give us exactly what we need, and nothing too hard. So he says, 
What does it mean that Kala Yisrael yearned for Hashem in the days of Maisha? means they had a muna in HaKadosh Baruch Hu and they said Nasev and Ishma. And therefore, because of that, we got the Torah. So when he wants to write Torah Yikusil, the Torah of Maisha Rabbeinu, he uses the name of Yikusil. That's the Amuna that, that Kala Yisrael had towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As a side note, it's very interesting because the Vilna Gain in Sheir Hashirim says the exact same thing. The Vilna Gain in Sheir Hashirim says the exact same shot with the same Gemara, the same Kasha, the same Teretz. Very interesting. He says it obviously much shorter, Kedarka de Gra, but he says the exact same shot that Rev. Rafal wrote here in his Akdama. His next Sefer was called Marpe Loshain, the healing of the tongue, which was a Musr Sefer. It has Drushus Musr in there. Um, and the truth is, he has a, the, 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 uh, the first Shar of the Sefer, and that's why it's called Marpe Loshain, is about Lashon Hara. And he's the first Sefer that we have that wrote extensively about Shmira Salashan. Years later, the Chavetz Chaim wrote his Sefer. But um, he was the first one to extensively write about Shmira Salashan, and that is the first Shar, the first section of the Sefer, Mar Paloshan. He has a Sefer called Vishava Koyin, which are Chuvas. He has another Sefer called Shailas HaKoyhanim Torah, which refers to, which is Chidushim in Kodshim. And it's interesting, on the Sharblat, on the title page, he writes a little bit of a poem, and he writes, Nijri asher nadarti, my vow that I made, b'fiyu svasai dibarti, with my mouth and my lips I spoke, lis asek b'hilchus avoida avadati, to be involved in the laws of the avoida of the kaihanim, and that's what I worked. So what is this nether he's talking about? So there seems to be a Messiah. He met the Gra on a few occasions. Um, later on, he met the Gra in his house. We'll see in a moment that story. But there is a Messiah that the Gra, when he was younger, went through, went into Gullus. And he traveled around incognito. No one knew who he was. And he ended up in Reb Rafal's house. And eventually, Reb Rafal chapped who he was. And um, the Gra was very asked a, a question to Reb Rafal and Kachim. Reb Rafal was a Kayan. And Reb Rafal didn't know. And he was very upset at him. And he urged him. And he said, that the Beis Hamidish is going to be built be, um, very soon, Bez Hashem. And we're going to need people to be able to answer the Shilas. We're going to need Kehanim who know the Halachas of Kachim. So he says the Gra did not leave Reb Rafal until Reb Rafal assured him that he's going to learn Hilchas Kachim. So some say that's what he was uh, referring to on the title page of his Chidushim on Kachim, the nether that he made to the Gra that he is going to be involved in Kachim. He had utmost respect for the Gra. If you would mention the Gra's name or his Torah, he would tremble from from uh, from hearing his name. Reb Rafal had visited the Gra in his home, and there's a famous um, Shmua from the Gra about the Mesilas Yisharim that he said if the Ramchal would be alive, he would go there with his feet to be Makabal Panov to go and to meet him. And that Shmua comes from that that uh, that Shmua from the Gra. Is comes from when he told it to Reb Rafal when Reb Rafal um, visited his home. Um, when he visited him, the guy had given him some uh, crackers, some lekach, uh, some cake, and Reb Rafal wanted to dip it into the schnapps he gave him. Those days, that's how he ate it. And the guy told him, if you're going to dip into the schnapps, it's called a dover shetibulei b'mashka. It's something you dip into into a liquid, and you have to wash netilas yadayim. And they went back and forth, and there were mefalpel and alacha, until Reb Rafal was so nispal, he said, if he went and he washed, and he made netilas yadayim, and he said, if not, it was worth it to come here just to hear this halacha. He has another sefer called Das Kedoshim, which is Drushas. 
He has a kuntris, he didn't write it, but a kuntris called Sion B'mishbat and Teras Chesed, which are his last two drushes. What are his last two drushes? So in the year Tav Kuf Nuntes, after being two, 23 years rub of these cities of Ehu, he was afraid that he was getting older already, and um, he was already uh, like 77, and he was afraid that he's not going to have, as he's getting, he might get weaker, and he's not going to be able to serve as the Rav properly. So he decided he's going to leave the Rabbanus, he's going to retire. So Shabbos HaGadol, Tavkuf Nuntes, he gave his last drasha in the Shul in Altuna, and on Rosh Chaydish Tammuz of that year, he gathered together all the leaders of the city, and he was Mavarech them, and he resigned from his position. He ended up living for another four and a half years. For the first three and a half years, he was healthy. He just had a little bit, his, his eyesight started getting uh, weaker. And, um, but they described he was so cool, Isaac Peteren Beruchnius in those years. The, one of his Talmidim describes most of his learning in those years was in Sefer Hazoyar, Kabbalah. For two hours every day, he would say to Hillim, Bene'ima, with the sweetness, with his entire, with all his strength, with crying. Um, he refused to paskin anything, he wasn't the Rav anymore. And Gedoyle Oilam would come to him for Apsak and he would say, I, um, I had it with me, I was the one who able to, but I gave it away. And once I gave it away, I don't paskin anymore. Um, the Chavetz Chaim in his Sefer Zechar Lemiriam, where when he gives Eitzahs about Shmiras Halashan, the Chavetz Chaim says that he heard that when Rebbe Fall gave up his Rabbanus for the last four years of his life, so anyone who came to visit him, he would say, um, we don't talk about people. I don't want to talk about anyone. And the Chavetz Chaim understood that that was in order not to talk Lashon Hara. I guess when he was a Rav, he had to talk about people because he had to. But when he's not a Rav anymore, what's the point of talking about people? So the Chavetz Chaim uses that as an Eitzah for you looking for Eitzah for Shemir Salashin, just don't talk about people. If you talk about people for the good, Chas V'Shalom, you might end up saying Lashon Hara. He had a desire to go to Eretz Yisrael, but it seems there was a war going on. I saw somewhere it said Napoleon, but Napoleon started his war in 1803, from my understanding. So it wouldn't be Napoleon, maybe it was the beginning of the Napoleon Wars, I don't know. There was a war going on, and he was not able to travel to Eretz Yisrael. And he just lived in Hamburg, he lived in Hamburg. Chav Dalit Cheshvan, Tov Kuf Samach Gimel, in 1802, was his birthday, he turned 80 years old. And this began the last year of his life. And then he had a lot of Yisurim, he got very sick, and he had a lot of Yisurim. And um, a year later, Chav Dalit Cheshvan, Tav Kuf Samach Dalid, 1803, is when he turned 81 years old. And two days later, on Chav Vav Cheshvan, two days after his 81st birthday, was a Friday, just like it is this year, he was Nifter. They didn't have time to bury him on Erev Shabbos, so they left him over. L'chvayda, you're allowed to leave a mace over if it's covered hames until Yom Rishain, Chav Ches Cheshvan, and he was buried in the city of Hamburg, and his uh, kever is still there until today. People are able to go and uh, visit his kever. And I just want to end off with one other vart that he says. We mentioned that he wrote in the Akdama about Klai Yisrael saying Nasev Anishma and the Goyim asking Maksivbe so they didn't have the Amuna. In his, um, in his, in his, in his, in, in the Sefer, um, in his Drashis, in Marpe Loshan, I think it is. So he has another Pshat there because Chazal tell us that based on a Pasuk, the Gemara Navay says that when the Goyim, even if they keep the Mitzvah Sheva, Mitzvah B'nai Noyach, 
it's like a Eina Mitzvah Ve'oisa. They get schar, um, to get schar that, um, that, like an Eina Mitzvah, like uh, they, they, they're not commanded to do the Mitzvah. And he explains why is it that the Goyim um, are, don't get schar like a Mitzvah Ve'oisa, so the Gemara says, this is when they asked Hashem, what is it written in the Torah? So he explains and he says, the reason is because when he told the Goyim, the, let's say, Loisigzal or Loisinaf, these are all mitzvahs that are logical mitzvahs. We call them mitzvah sichlias. You don't need a Torah to tell you these mitzvahs. These are things you understand in society. You can't steal, you have to have dinim, you can't, uh, you can't have illicit marriages, so on and so forth. So when he saw that the Goyim didn't even want to keep the mitzvah sichlias, so he says they don't even want to keep things that are logical, so then they're, it's if they're not commanded at all. And even they're obligated to do these mitzvahs. But when they're going to get schar for it, it's only like a schar like someone who's not obligated. They get less of a schar. Because mitzvah sichlias, a person shouldn't need a Torah to tell them. They should know that on their own. They should know that on their own. So if I would have told them, let's say, the mitzvah of Shabbos, and they would say, oh, I don't want to do Shabbos. Okay, so they don't want the Torah. That's not something that's sichlius. But I tell them, lay signav, lay sirtzach, lay sinav, and that they can't accept either, says the Rabbi Nishalaylam, that's not an acceptable thing. You must keep those mitzvahs, but since you don't want to even keep the logical societal mitzvahs, so that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu says you don't get schar like a, uh, like a mitzvah v'aisa. Um, someone asked the question, isn't it for the benefit of the people and the community to paskin so they know what to do? I'm assuming you meant um, at the end of his life. So I'm assuming that they, got, they had another Rav or they had other Dayanim to paskin the Shilas, but since he had resigned from the Rabbanus, um, he felt that it wasn't his position to paskin. Very similar to the way his, his Rabbi the Shagas Aryeh, when he was the Rav of, uh, of, of Glilas Minsk, and the Shagas Aryeh also refused to paskin anything without the Rav. So I'm assuming that, that there were other Rabbanim and Dayanim to paskin. It wasn't a Mokim Shein Ish. However, they were coming to him for his wise counsel and for his, his godless, and he was saying, once I had the Rabbanus, I gave it away, so therefore I'm not going to be paskining anymore. This is Rabbi Fall Hamburger, who, like we said, was the first one to stand up against the Maskilim, and uh, it was a long road after that with the Maskilim. However, he is known as one who stood up and did not was not scared of anyone. And Zchusa Yog and Aleinu, as we come, Bez Hashem, Friday, Chav Vav Cheshvan will be his 217th yard site, and Bez Hashem, he should be a male for Gans Klai Yisrael. Have a wonderful day, everyone.